Hi everyone, my name is Melissa, the host of the Mummy Warrior podcast. This podcast is based on topics that go on behind the world of parenting. Speaking of the unspoken, I upload an episode once a week on a Tuesday with a new topic every single week. I look forward to you tuning in. Hi and welcome back to the Mummy Warriors podcast. I'm your host Melissa and today I'm joined by Charles who is the creator of Life as a Craft Journal. Charles, thank you so much for joining us today. Good afternoon, Melissa. Thank you for having me. And my name is Charles Collins. I'm the author of the Lifecraft book series and the publisher of the Life Masterpiece Journal, which is my latest work where my content is is available. Uh, and that work, uh, collectively, the books and the the journal, which includes uh, some audio uh, journal entries, uh, is the result of about 35 years worth of uh, research and continuous practice and refining uh, around the idea of uh, life as a craft as compared to life as a terror and an unknown uh, place where we run into monsters and, uh, you know, other kinds of creatures that we don't know what to do with. Uh, and it's a, it's an alternative way of uh, approaching life and organizing all the different things that we do. And it all started one day in the kitchen with my six-year-old daughter. So I think parents are going to find this, uh, hopefully, a very interesting episode. Okay, so the first thing I'd like you to elaborate more on is family heritage and how that relates to life as a craft. Well, when thinking about uh, what I was going to uh, be teaching my wife and I, what we wanted to teach our daughter, uh, what we wanted her to have exposure to as a curriculum, uh, for life beyond the things that have been set up uh, institutionally in the schools that we send our children to, we realize that there is a broader curriculum, a broader range of learning that uh, we oftentimes are kind of unconscious of and that uh, actually deeply affect who we are. Uh, they have a significant impact on our early growth, and oftentimes form who we see ourselves to be for the rest of our lives. And we took the approach that everything that we were learning, everything that we were talking about, all the subjects at the dinner table, uh, you know, on a daily basis, what did you learn today? What did you do today? Fell into these five master categories. We call them the five elements. And we realized that if we took each of these subtopics and we were able to put them into this master structure, it's a framework, if you will. It's not exactly what to learn, but it is a, it is a containing system for all the different things. We realized that one of those five master categories is called family heritage. So in the, the approach to life as a craft, meaning it's a learned system that we can apply to make a masterpiece of our lives, that element number one, family heritage, within it is a wide range of topics that people will probably be very familiar with. Ancestry, genealogy, uh, the languages that we speak, the cultures that we are born into and grow up and live in the traditions that we observe as families, as well as the broader communities we belong to, uh, the Sunday afternoons uh, making pasta sauce or a stew or whatever it might be. These things that we call family heritage that are things that we inherit from our past, from our ancestors, 
but it also are those things that we are inheriting in our modern present world today, where we live, uh, the ideas that are floating around us and that we are exposed to. And it also has to do with at the end of our lives and as we are raising our children as parents in those earlier stages, what are we leaving to our children? What are the artifacts and the ideas and the traditions that we are teaching them that go into coloring their lives? And that's a significant part of who they are and who they see themselves to be as human beings. So Family heritage is both the past, it is the present, and it is what we are going to leave to the future. What are the key things you think are important when we're passing on family heritage to our kids and the up-and-coming generations? Yeah, I think that's the great question, and that's what is part of the practicing life as a craft. If you were to ask that question uh, of people around the world, Uh, You know, in the next decade (laughs) through your podcast, I think you're going to hear a wide range of very specific things that they believe uh, are necessary and part of the family heritage because they were things that they may have been taught, things that they may have been learned and and grew to embrace uh, and that they want to pass down or pass along. Um, And I think the, the neutral answer to that without any culture or any color associated with it is the idea of the many different variations of what human beings are, just like species of trees or the many different types of cats, you know, that exist in the world. They're all, we're all similar, but there are so many different variations associated with it that I think probably the key elements around it are Which of those things that we take from our past heritage and our present heritage are things that are going to empower our children in the way that they view themselves and who they view themselves to be? Do they view themselves to be a particular culture and or do they perceive themselves to be a particular gender with particular roles and functions? Uh, Do they see their traditions that they may participate in the ways that they participate in a society uh, through their social interactions and the way that they're taught to behave in that greater society. Uh, Potentially the sacred spaces and the way of looking at uh, the world, the way that they're taught to think of the world and the and the cosmos, you know, is there a heaven or or not type of thing. And, and I believe that The short answer is, what are those things that actually will empower your child to see themselves as a masterpiece in the making versus those things that we are exposed to both in our past and our present heritage that may just have been things that because they were taught to us, uh, we were told that we maybe had to carry that around in our backpack. And that's not necessarily true. We may find that some of those things really, when you look at them, you say, is, is Does this really build and, and strengthen and give that individual a sense of self-pride and, uh, you know, happiness about themselves? Or is it just something that is because someone passed it down to me, I have to pass it along to someone else? And so when you think about what you're going to leave to your child and their children, if you think downstream, uh, you start becoming more selective 
about those things that you will choose to pass along uh, as heritage and something that they should hold dear. And that's an individual journey for everyone. But most of the time, we don't think about it. We just kind of do it because it was tradition. But I think some traditions are worth letting to go to sleep, you know? Hi, listeners. Before we go ahead and listen to the rest of the podcast, I want to introduce you to an amazing ebook that's designed to help your child's emotional health. Co-parenting with a narcissist or a toxic parent is emotionally draining. This dynamic can have an emotional effect on our kids and can create a negative narrative in the blueprint of their lives. But thankfully, there are amazing tools out there that can change all of this. One of them being the amazingly written ebook titled How to Raise a healthy child when the other parent is a narcissist by Sarah Picaro. This ebook has a wealth of information, activities and other links to amazing books for kids ages 3 to 12 to help develop their emotional health. All the details to this book will be in the description of the podcast. So go ahead and purchase and make a change in your child's emotional well-being. Yeah, I completely agree. A lot of the times it's just traditions that are passed down habitually. There are many things that were habitually passed down to me that I've left with me and I refuse to pass down to my son. I wanted to touch on your view on family management and how that is placed within life as a craft. The the second element of, of life as a craft, as, as we've constructed it, basically says, well, if our children are born into the gardens that we call a family and the heritage that is the 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 color and the flavor and the location of the garden you know is it way up by the north pole or is it down by the south pole is it a temperate environment or is it very cold and harsh that's the heritage environment but then within that environment there we we think about or look at the, the growth of those children and say how are now they being tended to and grow up and it's like Are they being watered? Uh, Is the soil being cleared of, you know, the weeds around them? Uh, Are they being given nourishment and sunshine as needed to grow strong? And if you think about family and household management, everyone's home is the greenhouse or the workshop in the way of craftsmanship where these young children are first growing and are going to be strengthened before we give them the keys to begin going forward and on their own with their own skills, continuing for the rest of their lives to make a masterpiece of their life. So if we look at this thing called family household uh, and family management, it's all about the exact environment, the structure that parents create in that physical environment in which those children are going to grow. It's the house. It's the processes that take place inside the home. It is all of those functional things that today we hear this word dysfunctional family all of the time. And what that is telling us is that so many of us are growing up in households where the leaders of the household, as if you were the masters of a craftsman's workshop, themselves are not skilled at running the household or the workshop. They may now be older and they may biologically be parents, But have they undergone the skills and training to operate the home as if it were a well-organized, structured environment for the growth of that child? And when you have parents that effectively, you know, the house is falling down around them and there's financial problems flowing in and out and the kids are going to feel that stress, they're going to realize, geez, these managers really don't know what they're doing. And so the second major element in life as a craft is to have parents realize there are skills that can be learned to 
run a well-managed household that is going to have a dramatic positive effect on those children as they grow and as they start reaching those ages where they start moving closer and closer to exiting the household and going into the world on their own will have a great influence on whether or not they are doing that with strength or whether or not they were hindered when they were in that household and may have some repair work to do on their own. Right. What would be your examples of positive family management? So think of it, think of it in the way in which any of us may go to work. Let's bring it into the day-to-day you know, experience that a lot of us have. And so you go into work on a given day, uh, whatever that might be, and I'll let you, your audience think about that. And you are going about trying to grow and develop and uh, improve yourself and think of your children as, as being those individuals. Now, as you're in that environment, you perhaps have a manager. And as you are doing the work and looking for guidance from the manager and, and looking to, to, to check to see if things are being done right, if that manager is coming at you and they're, you know, browbeating you and they're not giving you good direction and they're constantly criticizing you. And when you ask for direction or guidance, please clarify what you mean by that. And the managers are going, you know, you could see that they're making it up on the fly and they have no idea really how to be a manager. Go back and think of the children in your own home. Think about if you are the manager of that household and they're encountering that same kind of behavior, depending on how you feel about that manager that you just had at work, you, you may end up just trying to find yourself working around them you know, trying to avoid them, not come into contact and conflict with them because you realize they really don't have anything to teach you, nor do they really understand how to run things appropriately. Well, it's not too dissimilar to what children are going to and what happens in households. Children start turning off to their parents. They start saying, you don't know how to listen to me. You don't know what you're doing. They start shutting down. They start working around the parent. They start pushing them out. And now the schism begins. So when you look at household and family management as a skill, then as a parent, you realize that if you take it seriously upon yourself to operate a well-run household, the same way that you might encounter a well-run manager in a company, you're probably going to be more likely to want to work with them, have respect for them. Because you realize that they've they've committed, they've taken the time to want to be skillful at their work. And usually the end result between both the managers and the workers, or in this case, the parents and the children, is significantly better than the former example. When you put that into perspective, because I, I was just thinking as you were talking, my um, situations in the workplace and managers I did respect and managers I didn't. And the managers I respected more were the ones that took the job seriously and knew what they were speaking of as and were disciplined as opposed to the ones that kind of just were a manager by title but didn't really execute anything of what a manager is, if that makes any sense. Yeah, isn't it true? I mean, we've all had it happen to us, yeah? And, you know, when you'll go to that manager um, and sometimes they'll say, uh, uh, you know, figure it out on your own. Come on, you figure it out. You're smart. You know, don't keep coming to me. Uh, They either abdicate the responsibility or they say, hey, you know, what am I paying you for? You know, you're the one who's supposed to know how to do this. Go get it done. 
right? AKA, you know, I'm the parent, I'm the authority figure, you know, you're the kid, uh, do it because I tell you to do it. And none of us responds very well to that kind of a uh, management style. I did want to move on to family and personal finance. So in in bringing, bringing this into the stages of life as a craft, we're now seeing how much our family heritage is is important and 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 what those norms are that uh, we're passing on to our children. We then see the next element, which is the way that the household is being managed and operated. Is it being managed skillfully in all of its various elements? You know, processes, procedures, as well as the structure of the building. You know, is the is the heat constantly blowing up and going out? And even if those two things are done well, we now move into a third element, which is like in any master's workshop, a craftsman's workshop, the, it is a commercial enterprise. And if we think of our homes as a commercial enterprise, we have money flowing into that home that provides us the resource to provide the necessary structures in the home, the food, the house, the, the rent, all of those different things. And then you know, as the, the money flows out. Now, the one thing that has become a critical factor in the way that the world works today, we're not all living on self-sufficient farms anymore, you know, where we're bartering for things and so forth. We, most of us are involved in a world in which our currency is the formal trading product that we use for bartering all the goods and services that we need. And in today's world, one of the biggest things that you will find on the internet, which has to do with parenting and marriage, is the high rates of divorce and split up associated with financial problems that are unresolved and the partners just go their ways. Now, let's go down to the, the basis of that. When two folks come together, or maybe it's a single parent home, but let, let's talk about, let's starting with the two, the, the two parent home. Both of those individuals come from families of their own. One could have come from, let's say, a family that had, had resources. And because those resources were there, uh, they pretty much had the flow in and out of the different things that they needed and they wanted and they and they really didn't have any you know stress let's say associated with uh, physical things and, and and the money to get those things. Another partner may come may have come from a home that was more moderate in its income and was a little bit more careful and and it was talked about you know waste not want not and so forth and so on. So now these two partners come together and they have a personal financial background, right? So element three is personal and family finance. So first and foremost, parents, when they look at their individual journeys or their personal financial education and training, which may be sufficient or maybe one parent may not have had any of that education, they then come together and they are effectively establishing a business called a home. And if you look at things that way, you then have to decide how is the financial processes of that home going to be accomplished? What will be the goals for the income that comes into that home? How will that income be managed for the home? Will there be surplus income that can be used for the rainy day and the unforeseen circumstances? And if there is not a an agreed upon way in which to approach the financial management of that home, conflicts arise. And those conflicts can be severe and significant, as we mentioned earlier. So if you look at personal and family finance, and you look around the world at the home, 
as a micro workshop or a small commercial enterprise, this is going to be a startling fact to most people. But that means that family finance is the single largest industry on the planet. And it manages more money as as a business, the income and outflow from a family's home of any other industry in the world. So more people are handling more money with regard to financing and operating a home than any other business industry on the planet. When looked at in that light, you then ask the question, how many of us have actually been trained and have the skills as a, as a family or an individual or a family mom and dad to actually operate a home in a commercially profitable way? And when you look at it that way, you then start to say, you know what, we could use some of that in our home. And then you should seek out the proper mentors to now help you learn those skills to run a financially well-managed home. I've never actually looked at it like that at all. And it's actually true because everything you work for, you have to manage it at home to go out. It's a business effectively. And every month you want to break even and have some profit at the end, to be honest. Yeah, isn't it true? It's (laughs) true. Yeah, no, it it really is. It really, really is because I always... I mean, I'm a single parent home. It's just me and my son. But literally when I get my pay, I write down everything that needs to be covered first, which is obviously a roof over our head, light and so forth. And then after that, I'm like, okay, I can have some money to do this. I can have some money to do that. And then we can do this, you know, but when I, when you think about it, it definitely is the biggest kind of business in the world because everybody needs their money to run their home. That's it. And everybody's running a small business. Their home is a small business. And that's what we have evolved into. Now, it's always been that way. Homes have always been small businesses. But today, because we all use this common thing called money, there are a whole set of rules of how that money is acquired and brought in, how it's managed once you have it, and then how you disperse it, skillfully or not. And if you look at, if you do that well, your family, your children are going to be living in an environment that has stability. They are going to, you know, they may not have, you know, Lamborghini automobiles, that, but that doesn't matter. But they, what, what they do have, is a sense of economic stability. And that required that mom, the parent, had to acquire the skills. You actually are operating a process. You just described it to us. You write everything down, which are you know the, the, the main fixed expenses that need to be taken care of. And then you allocate a certain amount of the money to do other things. That skill, when you teach that to your children, that is going to be their personal financial education that they've learned from you. Now, yeah. let's fast forward. Now your child has grown. Your child now becomes a young adult and your child decides to take up residence with their partner and make a family of their own. As they, as those two individuals sit down and begin talking with one another about their views of personal finance, because up until then it's been personal for each of them, they now have to start putting down and on the workbench and aligning their personal financial methods, procedures, and views. Some of them can be very harsh views, Some of them can be very liberal and they need to be able to adjust those into what we'll call a common operating financial process. And they need to find a way to do that together. That is where a lot of families break down because the managers, those two individuals, do not have a method by which to align and connect their personal financial training 
with their family financial management. And this is where in Life as a Craft, we teach that now's the time to seek out family financial management mentors who do have methods and procedures and processes to help a family establish a family financial management system so that the family, when they start having children, those children will grow up and they'll be learning that particular method and process. If you leave it to chance, if you leave it to intuition, it's going to fail. What I was just thinking about while you were speaking, did you say that there are mentors that are available for to help families with family finances? Yes. So <clears throat> this is one of the things that when we were looking at, you know, what are the master topics uh, that, you know, we, we were, or the individual subtopics that we were, you know, you could go out onto the internet and there's all kinds of people that'll teach you about, you know, personal finance and, and, you know, making your millions and, and some of them, you know, are crazy and off the wall and others are, you know, very sober and workmanlike and they teach you your what we'll call your personal financial uh, training. But there are also dedicated individuals, training mentors out there that have released wonderful work on the category called family finance, family man financial management, family money management, handbooks for you know parents together to learn a common system that can align their individual personal journeys of financial learning and can align those so that they create a common family financial man management learning. And I'm not, I'm not, not talking just a retirement plan, which is one component of that family financial management, but there's a whole range of other subtopics within that for family financial management that need to be learned early on so that the family is stable with that critical element of life as a craft and that the children are coming up seeing it and then they actually have strategies for how to start bringing the children in to understand and learn about this significant element called the family financial management so that the children are now starting to be grounded in a learning. You know, one of the techniques that I saw one family financial manager uh, teaching was, uh, here's, a, here's a simple idea. Come home with a paycheck sometime, show the children the paycheck whatever age that's appropriate, cash the paycheck, and then show the kids how a certain amount of that paycheck goes over here into one bucket to do certain things with. A certain amount is going to be put over here for safety purposes, whatever. Another piece of it's going to be put over here for that goal of going on vacation to Hawaii or whatever. And so that that's a fundamental concept of budgeting, right? But the children actually begin to learn what budgeting is. Now, there are all kinds of new tools that have come out that are designed to help kids even learn how to use money. They're little apps that go on your phone, and they're specifically designed for children. And it's part of the whole learning process of how a family learns to use money and uh, not be used by money, you know, and yeah. everyone has to choose their own mentors. That's a critical part of life as a craft. Because, yeah. you know, we, we each of us are different, but but you get a chance to look at those mentors, hear about them, 
uh, test some of their work, and then find the one that resonates with you, and then begin your learning process. Choose that mentor, and then begin learning from them. I also wanted to sort of touch on a point as well that for me that's important when it comes to like family and finance. I also feel like the language that's used in t- in terms of finance is important as well. So I know I've said previously in podcasts growing up in my household it was always oh we don't have enough money to do that we don't have enough money to do this so now I refuse to say that to my son because I don't want him to adapt that language or that behavior if if that makes any sense um I just don't think it's kind of healthy I think the attitude towards money should not be negative from the offset because otherwise kids won't learn how to respect it or honor it not to be greedy or to be materialistic but the importance of needing to work for money and the positives that it brings um that's just my own personal sort of take on family and finance as well yeah you you've just described for for your audience um your particular uh process and method that you are formulating that you want to pass on to your children as a critical part of their learning. You've obviously, and this is the thing that we realize is that all of these are things that we all talk about, you know, and we all think about, and we eventually start getting about, you know, through intuition or otherwise, uh, figuring out, you know, what we want to do and saying this, and this is why we figured, we, we, we said that element three is a critical of the five elements of life as a craft, family and personal finance is one of those critical things that every parent in every home either takes seriously and begins to formulate a personal financial learning that they want their, to pass on to their children, or they ignore it altogether. And by ignoring it, the children don't learn and understand it. In the way of craftsmanship and traditional craftsmen's workshops around the world, and that's where all of this learning comes from, The master craftsman would teach all of the journeymen and apprentices in the workshop the importance of the stewardship and the management of the primary materials that were being used in that workshop to create their products. Whether they were carpenters and it was wood, or whether it was clay for potters or leather, or or any of these things, they taught them that these primary materials need to be stored properly, managed properly, not wasted, used in the right manner. This today are the lessons of money. It is a resource within the workshop that needs to be managed skillfully. So one can find very positive language around and can be learn positive language from you know, family finance mentors of how to teach that this is a resource that when it's properly managed, like water, you know, don't throw it out, don't waste the food, don't do these things. If you manage it well and manage it properly, you can have abundance of resources for the rest of your life. Yeah, I, t- I completely agree. And also just to touch on the money management side um, and the family management, how they interlink. I think that if you, obviously the parents are the managers, And if the managers don't agree when it comes to family finances, that can also cause a breakdown in the whole situation in the first place, because you kind of got to be on the same page because in the end, you want the right, the same results or meant to have or want the same results, right? It Um, has your, your, you've tied them together beautifully. It is because, 
you know, at the end of the day, if the workshop, the home, the family home uh, has a well-managed financial process uh, and, and agreed upon financial processes for managing the money, that particular skill set then has a direct influence on managing the household because there is the physical infrastructure of, of family and household management as well as the procedures and processes within a household that families have, you know, quote, the rules of the house, you know, the behaviors in the house that are acceptable and good and, and designed for balance and happiness in the home. It's the same as the procedures in a workshop. You know, a, a master craftsman will not allow two craftsmen to be constantly antagonizing one another you know, at their work and causing havoc and they won't allow the roof to be leaking and so forth. So the household and family management has a significant result from how well the financial component element of, of family and personal finance is operated and they, and they go hand in hand. You can have great procedures and you can have a wonderful environment in which the family can grow and learn. But if you do not have good financial management to bring resources in and to then send resources out, it's all for naught. Yeah, absolutely. And I've definitely learned that since becoming a mom. I've taken finances a hell of a lot more seriously. It all interlinks and actually makes sense. I didn't actually realize until having the conversation with you how they all tie in together. And I definitely, for myself personally, want to look at more of the family and finance side of things just to make it more structural for my own home too. And obviously for my son to learn how he can, things that he can take on and pass on when he leaves home and he meets his own partner. So I think, I definitely think it's a, a great thing that you're doing. Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I thank you for, for that. And, and, and because, uh, we all share the same journey. All of this hit me like a ton of bricks because I became a parent. <laughs> just like and realize that you know what is what is the curriculum what is the full curriculum that we need to yeah. train and give them skills so that they see this as a craft and that they don't see it as geez mom and dad never talked about this or what about this or what about that and all of these different subjects and topics start coming across their desk their workbench in their lives as they grow and they don't have a place to put them. You will make a masterpiece of your life. Before speaking to you, I never even looked at it like that, to be quite honest with you. I thought I was just kind of picking up and doing what half of what I've been taught and half of what I learned along the way. <laughs> That's so. right. Along the way, we're flying by the seat of our pants. And I, and I, and I like, as a parent, I said, That's unacceptable to me. I can't just tell yeah. my daughter that it's, I can't just tell her. It's all about flying by the seat of your pants. That just was an unacceptable answer. I want you to share with our listeners, Charles, where they can find you and this information. The simplest place to go is to the uh, internet, the website, mylifemasterpiece.com. And that's where the Life Masterpiece Journal, which is the final work of my life, uh, is located and they will see there uh, the five elements, th the three of the five elements we've been talking about. They will see there the idea of the way of craftsmanship, which is teaching our children to do these things with skill, not just know about them, but to actually acquire the skills to do them. Uh, and so all of those things are being deposited in the journal for people to take up, depending on what you want on your workbench at any given time. You can go in there and pull out a piece 
and you'll have organization for you. It's a framework. It's not telling you what to learn. It's teaching you how to learn. Thank you once again for joining us today, Charles. It's been very informative. I'm sure our listeners will find your information very helpful. All the details will be linked in the description of the podcast. Charles, once again, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Melissa. It was a pleasure being here. Thank you for joining this week's episode. Please feel free to subscribe. You can also leave a comment. I would love to hear what your points of views are. You can also follow me on Instagram at Mummy Warriors. And you can also have a chance to be a guest on the show by visiting my website, www.themummywarriors.com. All details will be at the bottom of the podcast. Look forward to seeing you next week. Thank <laughs> you.